This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast. It's a special show. Uh, Shows like this I absolutely love to do uh, when we have uh, a Chelsea author with a new book out uh, to kind of review and talk about. And uh, luckily, actually, over the years, I've got to know so many of the Chelsea writing fraternity and a damn fine bunch they are too. And I have to be honest here and say very few come better or finer than the man I have on the show tonight, which is the absolutely wonderful, great friend of mine, Kelvin Barker. Hello, Kelvin. Hi, Chish. I'm going to go quiet and let you just carry on talking about <laughs> me. If you're be... That's all right. You, you paid me before, so it's okay. You know. <laughs> but no, I mean every word. I mean, a lot of people will know Kelvin uh, through his his absolutely seminal uh, book, uh, Celery, uh, Supporting Chelsea in the 80s. Uh, which is one of the first Chelsea books that I got uh, to know actually quite well and read. It's an absolute monster of a book, but it is one of the it it, it is the go to book for Chelsea in the eighties, as most people will know. Uh, but very few people will know this little known fact uh, that there were about I don't know maybe ten to twenty five episodes of the Chelsea Fancast before this mug took it over. But Kelvin Barker was on those with DJ and Cliff Auger. Yeah, good days. But it's more professional now. <laughs> That's very kind of you. <laughs> but there you go. Nobody, honestly, very few people know that. I've got a few of them somewhere. I found them. I, f- I don't know where where I got them from, but I found they do exist. I might have to play them out. I remember very little about them, I must admit. I don't know what we were talking about yeah. back then or, or even when they were. Yeah. But I do remember doing some. 2007. Were they? Right, yeah, okay. yeah, so there you go. A momentous season, if ever there was one. Uh, yeah. Which is a good link, because uh, we've got your new book, Kelv, um, which, uh, I mean, I know you've done a few since Celery, which were collabs with uh, people like Mark Warren and DJ. Yeah. Um, all, all fantastic, of course. Uh, but this is this is very much your book, and the title of it is Days, in brackets, I Remember All My Life. Now, you know, uh, people of a certain age, like me and you, will know exactly. I mean, that, the minute I heard the title, I knew exactly what it was referring to. But uh, it's quite special for you, so I shall let you tell us what the meaning of the title is. Um, I mean, I'm I'm a Kinks fan, um, despite the fact that um, that they're, they're the two main men, the Davis brothers of Arsenal. Um, I couldn't resist bringing that onto the title of this book because it just seemed to suit what the book was going to be about. Um, I mean, it literally does um, pick up on some days that I'll remember all my life, but everything's linked into Chelsea matches. Um, some of them um, are specific to those games. They're only in there because they were such memorable games. But as much as possible, I've tried to link sort of life events to, to certain games as well. So there's a few random ones there that people wouldn't expect to be in there, but there's a reason why I've put them in there. Um, that's a very lovely 
short summary of, of, of what the book's about but I, I i'll be honest with you mate it's about so so much more i mean it's 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 kind of a so many people write books about Chelsea. I mean, we were talking before we went on air that that, that me and and predominantly me, J.K. and Mark Meehan are now doing the fifty years of of, of uh, Chelsea history. And uh, you know, one of the reasons why I was I was so keen to do it is because, of course, we, we've been there, or, or most of us on the fan cast have been there for that time. And yeah. it is a walk back through your own personal memories of Chelsea. And you know, there's loads of books out there about that. I have to say, yours is. Is distinct. Um, it's unique in, in this respect because it, it, it. I mean, it's a football biography, but it's not just a football biography, is it? It's also a love letter. And I mean, I, I, I will tell you this now. I wrote this is a love letter to Chelsea. I wrote down in my notes, and then at the end of the book, it says this book is a love letter. But actually, <laughs> you, you put it much better than me, obviously, because it's. It's a love letter, not just to Chelsea. It's a love letter to all the people you've known there, other friends, your family, your, your, you know, your wife, your kids, all sorts of different people that you've met along the way. And this parallel story goes through every single one of these matches that you select of what happened at Chelsea. And you, I think, have got one of the best memories for things that happened a long time ago at Chelsea matches that I've ever met, but also what it meant to you personally. And I think that's what makes it so distinct. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that, Chich. Um, I mean, I'm glad it, it came out that way. That that was the intention. So when I first came up with the idea of, of writing this book, um, and it, it was during the, the, the first pandemic, uh, the first lockdown, sorry, um, and it was a case of, I, I don't know if you remember, but the, when, when we had our first lockdown, the weather quickly turned really nice. And I was sitting out in the garden, didn't have much to do and you know and just sort of laying on the sunbed and it came to me that you know 50 years is coming up um and and my first thought was like write a book about just the seminal games in that in in, in that's my first 50 years um and then at some point I thought I've got to make it a bit more interesting a bit different to to the norm so I thought I'll link it to sort of life events so we're talking about my first 50 years of supporting Chelsea which is the equivalent to my going from the age of five to 55, basically, because I went to my first game at the age of five. So, and I just sort of thought, well, you know, there's so many things that have happened in my life, but I will turn around and say, I remember it because of this game, you know, and, uh, you know, one of the stories in there about um, where I mentioned QPR on New Year's Day in uh, 1987. Um, I remember splitting up with my first wife that day because I remember I went straight to Chelsea and Chelsea won 3-1 there's so many of these stories and I know it's wrong I know I shouldn't you know that shouldn't have been the main event in my life that day but there's so many of these stories that I just equate back to a Chelsea game. it's it's a bit like I think we all we'll all have songs and records that will remind us of a certain time and you know a certain place or something we were doing and and I have them as well, but I also have that with Chelsea matches. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things I, I mean, I, I'm very fond of you, as you as you well know. But one of the things I've always been just in, you know, I can't I can't tell you how much admiration I have for your ability to remember things. Um, I mean, <laughs> your your memory about anything really, but uh, Chelsea in particular is as good as mine is bad. I mean, I, I struggle to remember. You know what happened in the last. Game. If you ask me, who did we play last, the last game? I would struggle. I would. I would start sweating profusely because I couldn't remember. You know, I have a very different brain that works in a very different way. Um, but you know, I'm so not surprised. It's got, you've kind of given away a little kind of technique, really, that you kind of pair things, really. So you know, the game reminds you of something that happened, or something that happened reminds you of the game. Maybe I've missed a trick all of these years, Kelvin. Maybe that's what I should have been doing. <laughs> maybe I, I mean it's it's not I think it's just something that happens I don't think that it's anything that you can necessarily work on but and, and if I'm honest I've always thought it was a bit nerdy I, um, you know I, I won't lie I think I wish I didn't think of something in 1973 that makes me think of a Chelsea match when I was like eight years old but yeah I've got this sort of nerdy memory for the old stuff I'm the same as you about like recent stuff but for the old stuff there's lots of stuff that's just stayed in there and um God willing, it will stay there for the rest of my life and I won't lose that. 
Well, as you say in the book, I'm looking forward to you know uh, the the second book in 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 this series when you're which you'll write when you're 105. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> of 2071, that's coming yes. out. Yeah, yeah, uh, sticking your. I, we're all bloody there, mate. But I mean, yeah. I, I have to say, you know, it's a superb. I mean, it's actually quite a big thing. You know, you, you've had you're celebrating really 50 years of supporting Chelsea and going. I mean, that's the the yeah. key point. I mean, that is a that is a huge milestone in my book. And I mean, you, I know you say in the book you, you've seen thousands of matches. Have you got any idea how many you've seen? I haven't. I I I, I haven't, to be honest. I mean, with Chelsea games in in recent years more and more I've seen on TV um, and I've, you know, I, I'm counting them as well. Um, there was a time when I was seeing a game week in, week out, even if I couldn't go to a Chelsea away game because I was living in Shepherd's Bush, I'd be popping down to QPR or Fulham and watching a game down there. So there were so many times I was just going to random games as well. Um, I could probably one day sit down and work out how many Chelsea games I've seen, um, A, live and then B, live or shown live on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's Chelsea alone. It's many hundreds. Mm. I mean, it's an interesting thing, isn't it, mate? Because I mean, we know we know that uh, the club. Uh, well, the club know this only too well because they're about to lose lots of money as a result of it. But there, there are there, there's a whole generation of Chelsea supporters, basically that that you know kind of started following the club around 1970, thanks to the cup final win, who have basically never left, who have just stayed for the duration. Um, yeah. which was not an easy feat to do for about 27 years, to be fair. Uh, but, mm. you know, they stayed and we're still here now and we are all getting to a certain age. We're in our 50s, 60s, some of us. Um, yeah. It, 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 did you feel that? I mean, you know, I know we talked about it being a milestone, but I'm kind of trying to say this in the polite way as possible. But in, in terms of being a supporter, are you feeling your age? Yeah, I think I probably am, to be honest. Um, I think I felt it quite a lot when... Um, we were just about to lose um, Roman Abramovich when when the sanctions came in, when he announced he was going to sell the club. Uh, I had to rewrite slightly um, the epilogue yeah. um, to, to the book. Um, I had to hang on to it for a while to see how things played out with uh, the new owners. Um, but one thing I, I did write in there initially was that if we were about to hit a period now um, where we were going to go back backwards again or going to stop winning trophies on a regular basis I didn't feel sorry for myself and people of my kind of age because we can take that view that um, you know don't be sad because it's over you know smile because it happened what I felt sorry for were the people who are sort of 35 and under who have only ever known success at Chelsea Um, they're the ones who I thought it might be more challenging for. But yeah, I, I feel like a um, a seasoned veteran of watching Chelsea games, having been there for so long, I can deal with it if if we were to go backwards. I don't think we will particularly. I don't I don't think we're going back to the old days at all. But yeah, I feel I feel there's a bit of experience of watching Chelsea that the under thirty fives would have to get used to and might find it a bit harder. Yeah, it's a really a really good point, mate. And I, I loved I loved your uh expression there you know don't cry because it's over smile because it happened I think is what you say in the book and I, I just thought yeah. what, what a beautiful way to put it and I think that puts it massively in perspective because you're right um, I think I think that, that that any of us that supported Chelsea before Roman took over are just grateful that we've seen what we've seen or as the, as the sticker says we've seen things you'll never see you know yeah and yeah. I, I, I'm like that. I just feel really grateful for it. And, and I mean, you know, maybe it's a bit selfish because we are of a certain age. But if it all stopped tomorrow, well, I'll say, well, great. You know, it was great. It was a great ride. You know, well, yeah. I never thought I'd see. No, that's what I'm, I'm completely 100 percent agree with what you're saying. That's exactly how I see it as well. Um, you know, we've we, we got lucky. We know we got lucky. We've got the money coming. And because of that, we saw things that we never thought we were going to see. You know, we were dreaming of a, an FA Cup win for many, many years. And that was going to be the pinnacle. And it felt like the pinnacle mm. to to do everything we've done um, since then. And to actually um, top it off this season. I mean, we all know that that Club World Cup or whatever it's called, Club World Championship. You know, we all know that that's not um, a particularly illustrious competition or the, the opponents we're playing against aren't particularly particularly good but at the same time I think 
I'm so pleased we got that this year because we've literally got every single trophy we could have won um, as a club now, and no one can ever take that away from us. Yeah, definitely right. It definitely, it's it's you know it's now it's it's part of our history, which is uh, you know something to tell the scousers occasionally. Um, yeah. Now, listen, you've got about thirty odd matches there, and, and and I know you've seen thousands. How on earth? I mean, I know I know part of the answer because obviously it has to do, it's to do with the personal memories and milestones. But beyond that, how on earth did you whittle it down to the thirty odd you've got in the book? Um, trying to remember how I did that actually. <laughs> I've got a little notebook, which, funnily enough, I don't know if you remember, but about ten years ago, ten seasons ago, um, I went to a, a Chelsea Man United game in the in Roman's posh box with Mickey Thomas, and when we were there, we got given these little gift sets, and one of the things we got was a little Chelsea notebook. Um, and so downstairs, I have a little Chelsea notebook with all these games listed that I was going to choose from for the book. Um, and I think what I did was I went through Bound to Friday website and just looked at all these different games and just wrote down the ones that had a particular memory for me. Um, and they were all in chronological order. And I just started working my way through them and some fell by the wayside. Um, yeah, some some I had my own story, but once I went to start telling it, it didn't seem particularly uh, entertaining or particularly readable. Um, but yes, yeah, so I listed them all down and I started working my way through them. Um, and it was, a, it was as simple as that, really, the process. I went through the sort of 50 years worth of, um, of, of the games on, on Bounder and just picked out the ones that I had a, a memory from. And again, that's what I said earlier. I think that's what makes the book so distinct because... Uh, you know, every game you've selected is is selected on the basis of of something personal that happened to you in your life at the time. And you know, when I when I said you know it's a bit of a it's a it's a football biography, but it it is. You, we grow up with you, you know, from this kind of yep. wide eyed, you know, like eight year old where everything is fantastic to this kind of cynical, shall we say, elder statesman who's, who's still going now. And and I, I, it just it just it really grabs you that actually. Um, I'm, I'm really glad that you you mentioned that as well, Tish. Because I mean, I don't, I'm not overly confident, and I wasn't sure that I'd put that across. But that was what I was trying to do. I was trying to show myself at the start as this little boy, like you say, wide-eyed little boy, um, and I just wanted to take it through. I don't think my life has been particularly a roller coaster. You know, people have had it far worse than I have, but we all have a roller coaster. We all have a story to tell, and I just wanted to. I did want to show that how I'd become more cynical, what I had had to deal with, and also, conversely, all the great things that have happened as well, you know. And I, I just wanted to, you know, and also I wanted to actually show that where my life did take a dip here and there, it actually, at the end of it, I I've got no complaints. So I've got no nothing I can complain about. Um, but I wasn't sure if I'd done it quite as well as other people might have. So I'm glad that you picked up on that, because that is what I was trying to do. Well, it certainly it certainly comes across, and I, I I think the book is 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 you know again better for it. it. It it's just a brilliant. I mean, as I said, I don't think the idea is necessarily unique, but it's just the way you it's the way you've done it is it for me that really hits home and works so well. I mean, you know, maybe I've got got Kelvin tinted sunglasses on because I I, I know you pretty well, so it's an easy sell for yeah. me. But I think, as I said earlier, because it's you know, everybody has a personal story associated with it. So everybody can empathise. You know, we all live life. Good things happen, bad yeah. things happen. Um, and I think you just you think you just mentioned a minute ago, um, which really resonated with me. You know, if, you, if you've kind of been around the club long enough and you're daft enough to put your head above the parapet and write books, do podcasts, whatever, kind of really weird things happen to you, which which actually make it really... I think really great if you're going to write a book about it, actually, because it, because it's just kind of mad, mad shit. I think is what we would call it. Yeah. And and, and yeah. you you know you mentioned being in in Roman's box with uh, with Mickey Thomas. You know, most people will go what what. Uh, but of course, <laughs> I, I know I know you know Mickey very well because you very kindly introduced me to him, and and he's an absolutely wonderful bloke. And there's a few Mickey references in the book. I mean, obviously, uh, you know the 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 Wrexham and Dagenham and Redbridge game the reason i'm picking on that game first is because most people will look down this and see some i mean you know you've got iconic matches like the 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 champions league finals in in moscow and uh 
and uh, in Munich. And then you've got uh, Wrexham and da- uh, one Dagenham and Redbridge. How you know? So tell us, tell us a about about your relationship with Mickey and Jerry Jones and how you got to know them and how that features in the book. Okay, yeah. Um, well, I got to know them through writing Celery. Um, Joey was uh, the second player that I met with and interviewed for that book, and and we kind of hit it off um, quite well straight away really and you know by the time I'd left he was like just give me a call if ever you want to come up to a to a game and or if there's anything else you need for the for the book sort of thing um Mickey was harder to pin down funnily enough um, but as you would expect yeah (laughs) yeah so he was I was chasing him for quite a long time and uh it it took a while and I think I think also it takes a while with Mickey to because of what he's been through in the past and the stitch-ups and all the rest of it that he has you have you have to earn his trust um and I think it's fair to say that he and I are actually very close. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are genuinely close friends. Um, but it, but at first, yeah, 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 there was. Uh, I had to chase him a little bit to to, to get him on board. And but by the time I got to know Mickey well, I was already quite friendly with Joey. So, um, and I've, I got them down. Um, I can't remember. You may have been there actually for the Chelsea supporters group. Um, for, they, they did an evening with uh, Mickey and Joey in about 2007, I think, um, on the King's Road. And I got them down from there and, and um, I got to know Mickey better after that, really. I already knew Joey quite well. Um, and, and uh, yeah, so we just kept in touch after that. And um, to this day, you know, we, 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 we still do. Um, the story of the Dagenham and Redbridge game was that um, Mickey had recently had his cancer diagnosis um, and I know I wrote a bit in the book about that and I, I kind of felt a bit guilty because he was telling me about this thing but I didn't it didn't occur to me that it was a serious illness um, and then he got his diagnosis and quite quickly had to um, have his um, surgery so the Saturday before um, he went into hospital on the Monday to start his chemotherapy um, I went to Wrexham against uh, Dagenham and Redbridge. I went up to Wrexham um, and stayed over the night. Um, Joey's niece uh, had a little B&B um, just outside of Wrexham, so I stayed in there. Um, but I went to the game first, and Mickey didn't. He wasn't planning on coming, but I said, "Look, if you if if you can come, I'm going to go up. I'll see Joey." I said, "And then if you can come across, and we'll see you." And he came. It's an hour for him to get to Wrexham, but he, he came. And funnily enough, as he walked in the ground, he was on the phone to John Hartson. Um, and he had like all these other players that were calling him and like the Chelsea players were putting messages through like the old his old teammates putting messages through and it was it was quite emotional um, because he was scared and he, he like he's quite open and honest about that um, and he and he was scared and you know he didn't, I didn't it's not a side of Mickey I'd ever seen before because you know he's just a, he's just playful the whole time. Um, and he left early that day, but it was quite touching um, during the game because it only got out into the papers either that day or the day before that he had the cancer. Um, and then the cop at Wrexham early in the first half of that game um, started singing his name, seeing there's only one Mickey Thomas, not knowing he was actually there. Um, so there was uh, it, Mickey sitting to my left and then Joey's um, the other side of him. And, um, yeah, just sort of like hearing that whole end, singing his name, not even knowing he was in the ground, um, but just getting, getting, giving him that sort of support. Uh, he was oblivious to it because um, he, he wears a hearing aid now, but he didn't then. And um, so he was half deaf and didn't even hear it. But Joey was like, he doesn't even know they're singing his name. <laughs> and I was like, Mickey, they're singing your name. Um, but, but it was touching. I mean, I've got a bit of a lump in my throat, you know, because I didn't know where it was all going to go at, at, at that point. But that was the the whole thing about being um, being down there for that weekend. I wanted to make sure that I got to see him before he went and had his um, had his started his treatment. Um, and I was glad I did. Um, and I went out with uh, Mickey. Mickey shot off home early. He didn't want to sort of face. I think he shot off home about half time actually, if I remember rightly. And then I uh, went out in the evening with with Joey and his wife. Um, and then, yeah, and so like I, I, I called Mickey on the, the Saturday night and again on the Sunday, and then he phoned me Monday morning when he was going in for his, uh, to start his treatment. Mm. So it was quite an emotional sort of weekend, and I, I, I remember nothing really about the game. Um, but, um, 
yeah and and, and that was that was what that story was really and then it, it sort of you know it, it takes you forward to the Man United game Lampard's first game in charge of Chelsea we were all up there and it's quite unusual um, but I was in um, the DHL box because um, the lady who manages the ex-players affairs at United is friendly with Mickey so she invited me up into the box that he usually hosts he wasn't actually well enough to be hosting he didn't feel well enough to be hosting at the time but he was in there um and it yeah that story just sort of takes it takes you from how it was on that weekend when to be to be honest I think Mickey thought he was he was probably going to die mm-hmm. um through to that United game where he didn't look as well as he does now but he certainly looked a damn sight better than I expected him to and and my my Daniel my, my son Daniel was up there with me and and we just had a really good day you know it was a really nice time and uh, yeah that's what that story is all about but there is the, the Chelsea link obviously is with Mickey and Joey on that yeah yeah definitely and uh, I mean you know as I said thanks to you I, I got to know Mickey a little bit and he's such a lovely bloke we used to get him on the love sport radio on the shows we used to do for them a lot you know and he's just always so generous and as you said playful is yeah. a great great way to uh, describe him um you know just thinking back to the book actually um about the, the you know the four nil and you were in, in the dhl box um so why did andy ritchie turn down a move to chelsea in 1980 just didn't really like um or didn't really take to i should say um jeff first <laughs> well that's a it surprise was, it was simple. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> i'm not sure anyone did i, I would imagine even, even if you asked jeff first missus um <laughs> you'd be like i'm not really sure but um, but yeah, no, it was it was as simple as that. He said he, he went down to the, to, to Stamford Bridge, met him, had a look round, got shown around. Um, but he said he just didn't really take to him, and he ended up going to Brighton instead, who were the top flight team at the time. Yeah. So, you know, probably a better option. Yeah, unbelievable. No, I, I had to ask you that because you got it in the book. See, I got to ask, I got to meet Andy Ritchie, and he told me uh, why why he turned. But he didn't say why. I thought, well, I want to know. I want to know. He was a great player. It'd have been brilliant for us because that must have been the period when we couldn't score a goal for Toffee, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, it was, I think it was just before that season where we we just yeah. stopped scoring um, because we. Uh, I think I'm right in saying that when we missed out on Andy Ritchie, that's when Hurst went in and signed Alan Moyes. Oh, no I should really have held it against Andy Ritchie, shouldn't oh, I? I should have been quite bitter about it. But he oh. seemed a very nice bloke, so I couldn't, I couldn't be too bad about it. But yeah, That's mad. I've still got those T-shirts that uh, I think it's Philip made them for us uh, with uh, I saw Alan Mays score. Your dar, <laughs> your dar score Alan Mays. I uh, saw Alan May score, which is just brilliant. But there you go. Um, I mean, the the other thing on on that kind of you know, uh, being because of what what you do, being lucky enough to know or meet meet some interesting people. There's a lovely bit at the end about press passes and stuff, and uh, you know, uh, the artful dodger, aka DJ, always managing to get people into stuff. But I mean, there's the whole madness connection, which which tickled me actually, because I I know Bushes, and I, I'm sure you remember this, but. Uh, I I sat about I don't know ten people away from Bushes in in Munich for the for the champ you know for the European yeah. Cup and he was one of the first people I gave a hug to afterwards. Him and Martin Wickham uh, were okay. both were both there. Um, but uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about the Madness connection because that's a great story. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Cheech, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match 
and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Um, well, I mean, most of it comes through um, Dave with with me. Um, so so he. Uh, said did we fancy going to this um concert at um um victoria park in bow which is convenient for me anyway it's only up the road um and he was um so i went with 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 dave and a couple of guys who worked for roman um who were on the security side um and this this night this friday night we we went there um we got backstage we had we had backstage um passes beforehand they were different there was a before and an after but the we had these wristbands to go backstage beforehand and so woody was over for a chat um um because he obviously knows um dave quite well anyway we all know woody a bit but you know dave knows him well um and then we uh the concert was about to start so all of the band had gone off and dave knew um one of the security guys on the uh on the stage and so he started chatting him up and saying, like, you know, can we go in there? And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So, uh, so it was me and Dave and these two guys who work for Roman, side stage, as Madness are about to to walk on, um, they're they're just behind the curtain, um, and Dave um, shouts over to Suggs, and Suggs is actually literally standing there with a cup and saucer, a cup of tea with a saucer, before he goes on stage, and he just um, Dave gave him a shout and just raised his cup to him and put it back down walked out on stage and we're there side stage for the whole concert you know it was it was mad it was amazing and and um at that time um bush was, was he was on the album that had just come out but he didn't do that gig because um bedders the usual bass player had decided he was going to do that one and i think he was picking and choosing the ones he did um so so bushes was backstage as well and he he looked up at one point and like uh, his face, like you see me and Dave, they're on the stage as well. He <laughs> wondered what's going on, but I think he knew it was just another Dave Blag, really. Yeah. Um, and then uh, later that year, I think it was, or maybe a couple of years later, actually, went down to Brighton when Butchers was actually playing bass uh, for a concert there. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not known as the Blue Blagger for nothing, is he? No, no. <laughs> he's the thing. He definitely isn't. Um, I think, you know, just kind of thinking about some of the matches. You, you know, I mean, yes, it it kind of does represent fifty years of you of you you know watching Chelsea, following Chelsea, and I do love the mix of of matches that you you do have. As I said, some of the iconic matches that anybody would expect, and some ones that people will be looking down there and going, "Why has he put that in there?" And of course, then it's all about the personal memories. But having said yeah. that, I mean, what are some of your favourite matches from from this book? Um. Always liked the um, the the uh, Hereford game, uh, even though it's a sad memory in, in in the book. The the Hereford game on New Year's Day, nineteen seventy seven. Um, that's a nice memory, probably because I was young. Um, I was a week away from actually having the first sort of trauma of my life, um, but um, at the time that you know I was happy and everything was was going well. Chelsea were about to get promoted again. Um, I was there with my dad. It was a nice memory. Um, probably bring that one forward the best part of 50 years. I really enjoyed the Sunderland 
game when we when we got the title when Eddie McCready was in the ground when we'd had the Eddie McCready night the the night before when I was there with my two boys for the first time um I mean that's that's quite a special one um Middlesbrough um the the 97 cup final um as as poor as the game was was just an incredibly emotional day um and Munich obviously was 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 fantastic. Um, and then, you know, everybody knows my my favourite period there is that sort of eighty three to eighty five period. And 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 I'll always go back to the Sheffield Wednesday four four to the Leeds five nil to the Derby five nil. Those were really really special times for me. Um, and and they were special times for me simply because. Um, of the age I was and the fact that it all came together with Chelsea finally being good at that time. It wasn't so much to do with other people or other memories. It was Chelsea that were making the memories for me um, during that couple of years. And, and obviously I went from sort of uh, 18 to 20 in, in those years, I, you know, so that's the ideal age, living at home um, and uh, just going to as many games as I wanted to, because despite my lowly salary I could afford to back in those days go to as many games as I wanted to um, certainly home games anyway and plenty of ways so that was anything around that time is is quite I'm quite emotional about well understandably so I think you, you hit the nail on the head there I think when you're a certain age you know you do you do uh, well I th- not everybody I mean I didn't but you you were lucky enough to to experience that going week in week out at an age I don't know. It's just there's just something about it. I mean, I kind of had that more with music, to be honest, Kel. I mean, I used to go to Chelsea a little bit later than that when I moved up to London in '84. You know, yeah. for, but for me, it was just to be very honest with you, it was just an excuse to go and get pissed again somewhere. You know, so, <laughs> so I, I, I didn't have the same experience. But I did with music. We used to follow a lot of bands around at that time, and I was very into the music stuff then. So I mm. do, I do get it. Um, one thing that we we do, we actually, I'm I'm delighted to say, uh, in two matches that you've picked out. Um, we are in absolutely complete and utter agreement. Um, the first one that I'll mention is is Munich, actually, where, you know, you described the match or, or the event, really, because it was an event, wasn't it, as the greatest night of your life, which is exactly yeah. how I've described it. Uh, and, I, and, I will, and I've told my wife that, too. And she kind of gets it, but it it, it 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 there is something unpalatable about saying that when you've got well you you've got kids I haven't but when you've got kids and you're married all of these things, but I when I when I started reading that chapter I was like oh yeah I get exactly that exactly that but maybe you should elaborate <laughs> a little bit for the people who are listening. Yeah, well I think um, you have to be careful. People, you know, you know what it's like these days. People want to be offended all the time. So I I just started that chapter off by saying like let's remove the elephant in the room. It is the greatest night of my life. It's not the emo- most emotional. It's not the night. It's it's not a night that brought me to tears with the same sort of emotions that I had when my children were born. Um, it doesn't mean as much to me as the day that me and Lisa got married. Um, but for all of that, all of that stuff is your most emotional, most important stuff. For the unimportant stuff, for the stuff that we can live without, that is the greatest night of my life. That was the pinnacle and it will never be beaten. Um, and there is, you know, I think it's a bit silly for people to to um, get touchy about saying that. But but yeah, I just thought, let's just get the elephant out of the room straight away right before people start raising their eyebrows and wagging their finger. But yes, it was the greatest night of my life. And, and I said that to Lisa when I got in on the, on the Sunday morning and she went, yeah, I know. <laughs> so happy days. Well, happy days indeed, and uh, I think I think Carlo and well, it's actually not a Carlo Ancelotti quote, although he used it most recently. But I think uh, um, Arrigo Sacchi said it, and uh, Pope John Paul II. But apparently, football is the most important of the least important things. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, that's probably what I'm trying to say, but I've said it better. Well, I think it's a beautiful way of putting it. Now, the other thing I need to ask you about Munich, because of course I, I I had a. I mean, everybody's got a story to tell about Munich. I, I think there's, that's one of the lovely things about it. And I won't bore everybody with mine again. Um, but I do remember, you know, uh, getting out of the ground and, I mean, just euphoric. And, and somebody that I know at Chelsea who's very – well, I won't say that because it's a rude thing to say, so I'll, I'll scrap that in the edit. <laughs> uh, but I remember getting the train back 
to well, you had to go back into town to get the, yeah. the, the train back out to the airport, which was quite a schlep and a bit annoying, really. Um, and then I sat at the airport and then I waited because our flight was delayed and delayed and delayed. And I, I was actually sat there with Bully, you know, you know, Bully. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and and he, he, he had this phone with him and he, some mate had sent him a video or no, no, it's the other way around. Chris Norman sent me a video of Fulham Road at the time with people climbing on buses, double-decker buses, going absolutely insane. Brilliant. And I was showing that to Bully, and he was passing my phone around. Somebody got a round of ice creams in, as you do at 3 o'clock <laughs> in the morning. Um, but anyway, the plane was delayed horrendously, and uh, there is a rumour that it might have been you that delayed it. I don't know if I've ever got the story on this. Well, you'd have seen me um, get on, I think. So um, I, I think, hopefully... It was other people's planes that we, that, that we delayed, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we were we just went the wrong way, you know. We thought we knew where we were going, so I think we had to go, like you say, we had to go back into town and then change, possibly at Marion Platz, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we we it was, I was with my mate Paul. It was just the two of us, um, and we were we were completely comfortable with what we were doing, where we were going. Thought we, you know, thought we knew. Um, Paul's a little bit older than me, so he dozed off on the train while I was still sort of euphoric. Um, but, um, yeah, we were sort of like going a bit further down the line and, and we got to one stop before the end and I suddenly thought, this don't feel right. And I looked at like the, uh, you know, the board on the on the train and I thought, oh, I'm not sure about this. And I, I got up to have a look because so Paul's still sort of snoring away and I got up to have a, have a look and um, I, was, I was, I think I was looking a bit quizzical and this, guy Bayern Munich fan young Bayern Munich fan came over and, and said to me where are you trying to get to and I said like the airport and he said the complete opposite end of the of the line we were like just coming into the last stop, stop at this point um, and I said oh thanks for letting me know um, I said I'll have to get the next train back and he said you'll be quicker if you just get out here call a cab and just tell them to take you to the airport it'll take you longer if you try to get a train back now so I said I actually said to him thank you um sorry about tonight i really hope you win it next season which they did yeah. so i was glad i said that to him um but yeah and then we, we got out we got a cab um we were pushing the the, the 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 cab driver to drive faster but he was one of these he wanted to sort of um drive safely drive carefully so we were convinced we were going to miss our flight and we ended up he, he got us to the um to the airport we had to run through various terminals god knows how many terminals um and paul goes to the gym and i don't but I got there before he did. Um, and if he ever hears this, he needs to know that I'm saying this because he told me he wasn't even really trying to run fast and no one's believing that BS. Um, so we, we, we had to run for all these terminals and got there and saw these sort of like faces that we recognised. So we knew we were OK. And when we got on the plane, actually, we had to wait for two other bl um, blokes to get on anyway. So we were, you know, we were early compared to them. So... We're in the clear here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not casting any judgment or accusations. I, I, I think, because I, I, I know that we weren't on the same plane, so I, I know that it wasn't you. And, of course, there are a lot of chartered planes going at pretty much at the same time. But ours was definitely delayed by people who, you know, didn't turn yeah. up, you know, when we had to wait for them. Uh, un yeah. unlike, unlike the bus to uh, or the coach from uh, the Millennium Stadium after the uh, 2002 <laughs> FA Cup final. And that's God's honest truth, that story as well. It, it, we just wandered past the, the bus um, and, and looked and went, that's our bus. And we were like, it was nowhere near where it was supposed to be. And then, so we, we, we got, spoke to the driver and he said, yeah, they told us we had to move from the, the normal place. And yeah, so we got on and the next thing, like we're the only people on the bus and he just said, I'm waiting no longer. And just shut the doors and drove off. All these Arsenal muds. I don't know how they got home, but I, I love to think that they had they were really put out anyway. Well, let's hope so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, I had a very we I can't remember. I think Martin drove back. Yeah, in his big kind of discovery thing, you know. I see. Right. I don't know. I was quite pissed and and fed up actually. Yeah. yeah. But and we like you. We got tickets in the mix zone. Funnily enough. Okay. Right. Yeah, because I I got them through uh, uh, the chairman of the Tow Law football club who, right. who basically sold them to me on the basis he says i can't say you know i'm not going to embarrass myself by trying to do a geordie accent but um he said i can't sell them to you 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 what, what we've got a fate at the end of may 
and if you buy a barrel of beer, you can sponsor it and, and, and uh, you can have it like that. So he basically ripped me off and charged me double for the tickets by doing that, but I didn't give a shit, you know. So there yeah. we go. But we ended up and we were in the middle of the mix zone with the most whingy, moany. I mean, you know, if anybody wants to, doesn't believe what Arsenal fans are like, you get a sense of it when you sit in the middle of them. And they moaned from minute one until bloody parlour scores. Yeah. And that was it. They they Suddenly they started supporting the team, but they moaned for the first 75 minutes. Martin and I were just looking at each other in hysterics. Thinking, what a moany old bunch of wankers they are. You know. A bunch of pussies, aren't they, Arsenal? They are. Anyway, um, yeah, the other game I wanted to pick out, uh, particularly Kelv, was, was Chelsea versus Everton, the 5-0 uh, under Conte. Um, yeah. I don't remember much at all, as you well know, but I, I'll never forget that game. Because I I took my best mate, who's a Southampton fan, as it happens, but I took my best mate for his birthday. On his birthday was on the fourth of November, and I, right. I I said, mate, I've got you a ticket. We can sit together. I've got your ticket for Chelsea Everton because it's about time you saw some decent football. <laughs> so I went balls out immediately, and if for once Chelsea did not let me down, he is never. He kept on looking at me, looking at me like he couldn't believe it. And I agree with you; it's the it's the best I've ever seen Chelsea play. And I was so delighted when I saw that you'd written the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just can't think of a better a better performance. So, um, it was just sublime. And and I know Everton um, aren't aren't the top team anymore, but they've. They're generally put this this last season aside. They're generally a team that give us a hard game. Um, they're generally a middling team. They're not an easy team to roll over, but we rolled them over, didn't we? And you know, I think we we had the game won in an hour, or we had the. I think we were five 0 up in an hour. We could have scored another five if we wanted to, but we you know we sort of took our foot off the pedal. Really, I just thought the football we played that day was ridiculous. Um, the best player I've ever seen in a, in a Chelsea shirt was in the middle of it all. Um, in, in Hazard, obviously, but I just remember Pedro being sensational that day as well. I mean, and, and any other game, he was comfortably man of the match. It was just that Hazard was just ridiculous that day. Um, but it all, I mean, that, I love that season. I love that season. Um, I think I said in the book, it's just one of those that in middle age, and I wasn't expecting it to happen, just came along and smacked me between the eyes. I thought I'd seen all my favourite seasons at Chelsea. I didn't think I could get emotional and worked up again about a season. But that first Conti season, just out of nowhere like that, the football we played, the way we ran away with the league after the way we started, it was just sensational. And and yeah, that that has to go down for me as the best um, Chelsea performance I've seen live. Yeah, well, I mean, we're in good company because John Motson has also gone on record as saying that, and he's been yeah. he's been watching Chelsea even longer than we have. Um, and I love that phrase. I don't think you used it. I don't think you used it in, in in conjunction with that game. But what you just said there made me think of it. You know, old and a maverick, or old but a maverick, and a maverick but still old. <laughs> which I kind of really re- that resonates with me somehow. I'm not quite sure why, but it's a great saying. Thank you. Yeah, it made me chuckle when I wrote it. I was just hoping it'd make other people chuckle as well. Well, yeah. I, you know, I have to say this because I, you know, to not say so, mate, would be utterly remiss. But if, if anybody's familiar with your work, and and actually a huge amount of people are familiar with your work, because if they haven't read Celery, then they they probably read the CFC UK, and you know, yeah. you 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 write for that every month uh, brilliantly. And and you have you have a very engaging style. But one of the things I've always loved about your writing is your sense of humour. It's a very dry <laughs> sense of humour, and it's very random. So you'll get this wonderful yeah. bit of prose, and then suddenly Kelvin will launch with just kind of like a six-word sentence of random funniness and in jokes. <laughs> and I love that. And it's the book is the book is full of that humour. I have to say, and I'm delighted to see that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I just uh, I know I'm. I think I describe myself in in there as as a man child, and I and I am, and you know I can't help it. And yeah, I just I just like to sort of be silly, and so yeah, that's that is how I write, and I think I'm probably it's how I talk as well. Oh, um, but I can't resist it. No, yeah. well, don't change because it, it it is great, and I I, I was in stitches for, for a lot of that. It's it's a very kind of teenage sense of humour, I think. Yeah, that's yeah, possibly think, why uh, it resonates with me, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we were liking that, but we've got no plans on growing up anytime None. soon. <laughs> None whatsoever. Um, just to kind of wrap up, mate. I mean, you know, this is a difficult question, I know, but uh, uh, in terms of the book, what are the most important or 
or kind of bizarre or hilarious matches do you think most important matches um the ones that that my kids went to um probably the one that uh, the Sunderland one because I had both my boys there um the Everton nil-nil when we just signed Hullet and, and uh, Mark Hughes because that was the first time one of my kids came to football with me and I always wanted them to emulate me going with my dad. Um, I think the uh, the Stoke City game in the Cup in 2014 when my dad came back for the first time in 35 years. Um, I mean, a lot of this book is about... I, I, I haven't actually necessarily written a lot about my dad in the book, but a lot of my... Um, driver for for getting this book written was as a thank you to my dad for being the person who introduced me to Chelsea and um, um, yeah that was I mean I was glad I could remember what was the last game he went to before the 35 year break which was the QPR game in 79 Um, and then write about that and then write about the one when he came he came back I know that meant a lot to me actually when he came back for that game and he got to meet you guys as well, you know, which um, it was nice for him to see what my match day experience is like now compared to what it was when he last went, which was he was buying me a quarter of milk bottles and, you know, sort of sort of like buying, still buying me my sweets and my programme for the game. And suddenly he saw that I'm hanging about with you and Mark and Dave and, and Dave sorted him out with tickets for other games after that as well. And, yeah, that that's probably as emotional. But the whole Eddie McCready thing actually was quite emotional. So not just that Sunderland game, but the night before, the fact that my dad was there, the fact that I've got the photo on the front of the book of him, of my dad with with McCready, um, and also slipping in the story about my mum as well. Um, you know, she didn't come to football with me. As far as I know, she's never been to a, a Chelsea game. But she, well, I'll tell you a funny story about my mum actually with the dementia. Um, that great Conti season, 2016, 2017. Um, and we played Man City away just before Christmas. And we were we went and watched it round with my mum and dad. Um, and like the whole family were round there. And um, my mum was getting a bit upset. She had, you know, she, 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 she was already way down the line of her dementia then anyway. And she was getting a bit upset with the noise. Um, so she went down to the kitchen um, while we were watching the football. And then... William scored and that this cheer went up um, and then my mum come up to the living room, put her head around the door and she, and she could see what was happening on the table. She went, that's William. And then she just walked off again. And I was like, how the fuck do you know that that's William, mum? She wouldn't know that when she was, you know, of sound mind. And, but she's come out with that. It was the most random dementia thing. And then actually a few months ago, probably about six months ago, um, because she's in a home close to Richmond Park now. Um, so we went out for a walk one Sunday afternoon with um, me and Lisa and my mum, and we took my dad along. And she started singing about Azpilicueta, you know, like the one Kerry Dixon song, but she's going, Azpilicueta. And I, I looked at my dad and she, he went, I think, I'll tell you what it was. I was, I was walking along with my dad and we, we were talking about Azpilicueta and she heard us and then she started singing that. I just looked at him and he went, she always used to sing that when his name came, got mentioned on the telly. <laughs> just these random things. But I just, you know, I, the book is a love letter. And as much to any, as much as to anybody else, or probably more than to anybody else, it's to my parents. Hence the photo at the front and the dedication. Um, but it's a, it's a Chelsea book as well. Oh, no, it's, it's absolutely, absolutely 150,000% a Chelsea book. But you're right, and it's it it is a love letter, as I said, to to the club that you love, that's been a, a steady companion for fifty years, which you only got because of your dad, which I think is yeah. beautifully kind of starts that process, doesn't it? Um, yeah. But it's a it's a it, it's 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 a wonderfully emotional read. It's it's you know considering what I do for a job, mate, you know, and having to work yeah. with people who, who who deny the fact they actually have emotions. It's it's. You put it all out there in a very authentic and honest way, and and it's very moving. It's very touching in places. It's very sad in others, and but also hilarious and and joyful at the same time, which I think is the perfect balance. But you know, it's not just about the family. It's about friends, the friends that we lost. I mean, talk about Alex yeah. and Woody and Martin King and people like that. You know, yeah. but it's I I think you handle it in a really beautifully deft way. You know, you're not all kind of schmaltzy. It's it's 
it's from the heart and i think it, it absolutely comes through it's why it's such a wonderful book mate i, I applaud you i really do oh thank you thank you I, i'm glad it's come through that was how i intended it to be um and yeah i'm, I'm glad it has uh has come across that way yeah um it, it it meant a lot to me i mean it's very different to celery celery um will always probably be my um well the, the book that i will always it's your, probably... mag- it's your magnum opus mate I guess it is. I guess it is. Yeah. Um, but this one was a bit more risky because I weren't getting players involved and all the rest of it. And it was um, it was just about me. But I'm I'm pleased that you've you've read it and and it's come across the way I wanted it to. Um, and like you said, I didn't want to be too schmaltzy, but at the same time, it was important that those people like Woody and like Alex and and Martin and and Roland, who I went to Moscow with, um, who are no longer with us. You know, they needed to be acknowledged. Yeah. Um, Someone like Woody was absolutely massive, absolutely massive amongst the supporters. Everybody knew him. Um, and we couldn't get to go to his funeral, um, you know, and I, I had to watch it on a stream. And, and it, it was it was the whole thing was just so bloody cruel. You know, 33 years old, just drops yeah. dead. Yeah. And so much to offer. And, and I sh- sorry, I should also say my mate Steve McNally, who was very similar to Woody, yeah. um, who, who ended up with motor neurons. Um, and yeah, I mean. I just wanted to remember those guys as well um, because they were all huge players. Martin King, massive, massive personality. Alex was a, a star. Like we were talking about JK and the talent um, before, you know, before we, we, we started this. And, and, and similarly, Alex was such a talented entertainer. Um, and, and yeah, so I didn't want to be, I didn't want to dwell too much, but at the same time, I wanted to say, thank you to them as well because each one of them sort of came into my life and um enriched it a bit and um they were they, they were good good people to to be around they were good friends they were you know they were solid people and um yeah I, yeah if there's there's some good buyers in the book there's there's probably more good buyers than looking to the future um but it's not been bad no. <laughs> it's been decent 50 years you know well, as you said, don't don't cry that it's ended. Smile that it happened, and I think that yeah. that's exactly the way to remember it. And I, and I think you're absolutely right. It, it, it's important to acknowledge those people who are part of that journey and part of the story. Not everybody makes it along the way, but you need to acknowledge that. And I thought you did that beautifully. And I mean, I know a lot of the people that you're talking about. So, you know, yeah. well done. You it needed to be done, um, Kelvin. As I said, I, I absolutely applaud you on this. It's, it's an absolutely superb book. It really, really is. And if, if people out there don't buy this, then they're absolute twats because they need to. <laughs> you know. Um, so where can they get it? I mean, obviously, you know, Mark Mark sells his Gate Seventeen stuff. I think through eBay now, doesn't he? That's right. Yeah. So um, I mean, that's probably the best place um, to, to get it. Um, it's also available on Amazon, but. Um, um, I think I'll, I'll be brutally honest. I think um, Amazon take a, a huge cut, um, and so if, if people can buy it through Mark's website, that's that's preferable. Other than that, next season on the it'll be on the stall as well. Um, the other the other uh, good thing about getting it through Mark's um, site is that there's the auto donate to the Alzheimer's Society, so ten percent is automatically paid to the Alzheimer's Society. Um, which obviously it's, it's not because of my mum, but obviously because of my mum, that is um, an, an, another real sort of like um, important sort of driver anyway. So that would be the preference if people could buy it through through Mark's site. But but yeah, other than that, it's Amazon or on the bookstall. Yeah, definitely. Well, well done. Go out there, people, and buy it either at the stall on Amazon or, or through the, I think it's gate17.co.uk, isn't it? I think it's gate17books. Is it? Ah, he's changed it, hasn't he? Yeah, gate17books. Yeah co.uk so uh, i mean you, you know you'll see it on twitter people were, were putting tweets out about this the other day i still haven't because i wanted to talk to kelvin and then put the tweet out but i will now i was also busy i'm, I'm just trying to make excuses but i am making excuses <laughs> we, we have this wonderful relationship we're all in the cfc uk whatsapp group which is hilarious on occasions and we all you know don't basically do each other a good turn by can you tweet this out and everybody kelvin's beautifully lovely about tweeting retweeting my articles so the least i can do is tweet his bloody book thing out but when i got the tweet i was up to my eyes but i'll do it now uh, no, but- no, always very supportive Chish, well, so you know. no approach yourself at all that's how it should be. Uh, Kelvin, it's been great fun, as it always is, talking to you, and particularly so about such a fantastic book. And uh, uh, I hope to speak to you again very soon and uh, no doubt see you about next season, of course. I would imagine so, yeah. 
now that things are going back to normal. Kelvin, it's been a real pleasure, mate. Thank you for coming along and doing the interview. And uh, I wish you all the success in the world with the book, mate. Thanks very much, Chish. Thanks for all the feedback there and, and for having me on. Pleasure, mate. Pleasure. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.